For the sermon this morning, I'll be reading a couple passages. I'll read from John 1 and also from Hebrews 1. I'll be focusing mostly on those four verses from Hebrews, but I also wanted John 1 in front of us. And if nothing else, it seemed like it made sense on Christmas Day to read from the beginning of one of the Gospels. So we'll begin with John chapter 1 from verse 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then we'll turn over to Hebrews, and I'll read Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1 to verse 4. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is God's word for us today. The question behind most of this sermon this morning will be, why pay attention to Jesus? Why pay attention to Jesus? And we'll talk about that in three parts today based on Hebrews 1, 1 to 4. First, the possibility of encountering God. Second, the reality of encountering God. And third, how God encounters us. The possibility of encountering God, the reality of encountering God, and then how God encounters us. And all of those three things will be focused on Jesus, whose birth we're celebrating today. First then, the possibility of encountering God. Maybe we can begin by asking the question if it's really possible for us to encounter God. What if there really is nobody out there? What if there really is nobody out there? Linus and the coming of the great pumpkin were a running theme in the universe of the Peanuts comic strip for a number of years. And that theme works at a number of levels. One of the levels is that it's kind of a parody of Santa Claus and Christmas. But every year around Halloween, Linus prepares for the coming of the great pumpkin. On Halloween night, he goes out to the pumpkin patch and he sits there awaiting the coming of the great orange one. Sometimes he even prepares a sign, welcome great pumpkin. And of course, the pumpkin never shows up. 
But every time, every year, Linus vows that again the next year, he'll be out there waiting for the pumpkin. But of course, the audience, the reader of the comic strip, knows that the pumpkin will never come. No matter what, the great pumpkin won't come. He's not real. All there is out there is a pumpkin-shaped void. And Linus can hold on to that belief and that hope all he wants, but the pumpkin's never going to come. It's not real. It doesn't exist. Now, that's a comic introduction to a reality that many people in our world face. It's a real struggle. People debate how much Charles Schultz intended that theme in those comics to be a commentary on how hard it is to have faith in the real world. Maybe some of us struggle with this every day. What if God isn't there? What if there is no God out there for us to encounter? What if all there is is empty, hopeless belief and at the end, a void, a nothingness? Some of us are blessed with a faith that never has to struggle with questions like that, and that's a blessing. Others of us have to struggle. We wonder, we worry, we struggle with that question. What if we can't encounter God because he isn't there? And that's a question that pops up for many of us, especially at times of suffering, when the universe feels dark and empty, when evil wins, when good people have things go terribly wrong. And we see that question pop up a lot, especially in the Lament Psalms, in that part of the Bible. You see the psalmist go to God and say, where are you? Where is God in the midst of all these struggles? In many ways, it's been a hard, hard year for us as pastors here at Faith. Last year around this time, our twins were born 10 weeks prematurely, and the week leading up to Christmas was the week that Eliza started having huge health complications. And we prayed, and we struggled, and we did all the medical stuff we could, and she still passed away last March. And just the last couple months, Pastor Greg got news that he had to have brain surgery again. And it sounds like it's likely he'll have to have some radiation and some chemo going forward. We prayed about these things. We wrestled with them. And yet we haven't gotten what we asked for all the time. And it's hard sometimes to understand how a loving God can allow things to go so badly wrong in this world. How can a God who is there let us face challenges like this? There are times for many of us when it might seem like our prayers are just going out into the void and like there's nothing out there. The universe can feel empty at times. But as believers, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have the reality that in Jesus it is truly possible for us to encounter God. In Jesus, it is truly possible for us to encounter God. Alvin Plantinga is one of the foremost philosophers of religion in the world today. He's also a Christian reform guy. He taught at Calvin College for a number of years and then at Notre Dame for a long time. And a number of years ago, he wrote a very, very sophisticated defense of the plausibility of the Christian faith, hundreds and hundreds of pages long. And some other philosophers of religion, some of his critics, accused Plantinga of having basically a great pumpkin Christian philosophy. Yeah, they said, it's, it's nice you have this 
plausibility, this defense of the Christian faith. But basically what you're saying is that you, metaphorically speaking, but you're standing out in a pumpkin patch with Linus and insisting that the great pumpkin really could come this year. That's really what you're up to. Now, Plantinga, of course, had a number of responses to that objection. Philosophers are never short of arguments and words and whatever else. But basically, as far as I can understand it, he has one really basic, fundamental, foundational answer to that challenge. And here's his answer to that question, the center of his sophisticated defense of the Christian faith. You ready for it? Here's his answer. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the Bible and the church, but basically Jesus. The the great pumpkin never comes, never has come, never will come, but Jesus did in fact come. The Son of God took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus was actually born as a human being at a particular time, in a particular place. The Gospel of John and John's letters later in the New Testament remind us that people actually saw Jesus. They actually heard him. They actually touched him. He was really there. And in Jesus, even yet today, it's possible for us to encounter God. Now, of course, God speaks to us in other ways. In Hebrews 1, it says that God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. God has never left himself without a witness. But the center of the first couple verses of Hebrews there, the center of that text is this phrase. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. In these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. You don't really see it in the English translations, but that phrase is the heart of that passage. God has indeed spoken to us by his son. God has spoken to us in Jesus, and because of that, we can truly encounter God. The universe is not empty. We don't have a great pumpkin or a Santa Claus variety of faith. God is there. And we can truly encounter him in the person and work of Jesus. In all of our struggles, God speaks to us through Jesus. In his birth, his life, his miracles, his teaching, his torment, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, and his reign. If you really want to encounter God, If you really want to experience the truth of the universe, you'd better look to Jesus. If you really want to get to know God, look to Jesus. And the way we get to know Jesus today is by reading the Bible, by gathering together in the church to worship, to praise God, to bring Him our prayers, to hear His Word. But of course, of course, we all like to make up our own ideas about who Jesus really is. If we say it's possible for us to encounter God in Jesus, then we also need to talk about the reality of us encountering God in Jesus. In Jesus, we really do encounter God, and that means we encounter a real God. Not always the God we want, certainly not the God we imagine, not always the God who does what we say, but the real 
God of the universe. And far too often, that actually becomes a problem for us. We would prefer to make up our own God. We'd really like to make God to fit our image. Humans really like to make up their own gods. John Calvin used to say sometimes, the human heart is a factory of idols. The human heart is a factory of idols. And you can look at all the religions and pretty much all the people of the world for empirical evidence on that score. But that's even true for those of us who gather to worship Jesus. Even if we keep our focus on how we encounter God in Jesus, we're still tempted to try to make Jesus into the God we want instead of encountering God as he really is. Sometimes we want Jesus to be just a nice, cute baby in the manger who gives us a chance to get together with family and have a celebration this time of year. Sometimes we want Jesus to be just a great teacher or a good example or someone who just gives us some advice. Sometimes we want Jesus just to be our buddy who makes everything right, gives us everything we want, and otherwise stays out of our way. But Jesus is more than all of that. And if we're really going to encounter God in Jesus, we need to set aside our own ideas, our own idols, and encounter Jesus as he really is. And that, that is really hard. None of us do it perfectly. All of us want to make God in our own image. But we've got to try to get past that. Maybe you've sometimes heard people say, oh, I could never worship a God who... And then you can fill in the blank. I could never worship a God who didn't agree with my politics. I can't believe in a God who won't let me live however I want. I can't believe in a God who won't be whoever I want him to be. And most of us do that at one point or another in our lives. We try to make God fit our image of who he should be. But if we live like that, we're not really encountering the true God. I heard another preacher use an analogy for this a few weeks ago. Imagine if someone came to you and said, you know, I think you're a terrible child. You are just a terrible child. You don't care about your parents at all. What a jerk you are. And you reply, well, actually, I have a pretty good relationship with my parents. I, I see them like every week. I help my dad mow the lawn. I do what they ask of me. I really, I care about my parents. I think I'm a good kid. And your friend replies, yeah, I guess all that's true, but I don't care. I, I don't care. I just really want to think of you as a lousy kid, so that's what I'm going to do. And how do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? Maybe the best thing you can do is say, well, okay, you can think of me that way, but our relationship is over now. It's over. You can't have a relationship with someone if you won't acknowledge who they really are. You can't grow deeper in a friendship with someone who insists on thinking of you as how they want you to be instead of how you actually are. But that's often what we do to God. We develop our own mental picture of him, and then we just stick with that. And again, all of us do that sometimes. It's not like it's unique to unbelievers or to bad people or anything. All of us do it. But then the question is, how can we turn from the God of our imagining to the real Lord God? And again, the answer here is Jesus. Jesus is the radiance and the representation of God. Hebrews 1.3 tells us that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
Jesus was born to show us who God really is. And so if we want to know the real God, we need to lay aside our own images, our own little scribbles, and look at Jesus. I suspect all of us have moments of wonder or awe, of amazement in our lives. The most obvious example on this Christmas day is presents. And especially as a child, you have that wonder about what's in the box. If you watch kids, they have a sense of radiance, of expectation, of awe. And sometimes that expectation is better than the presents turn out to be. And if you're not a presents person, maybe for you that moment comes when the credits roll at the end of a great movie and you realize that movie somehow took you out of yourself, did something to you, made your life feel larger. Or maybe you have that moment of wonder when you put the finishing touches on a big project and everything feels just right. Or maybe it's when you step out into the beauty of a snow-covered landscape and the majesty of nature just overwhelms you. Or you have one of those times when all the kids get together at the holidays and you have a picture-perfect family moment. And you can step back and you feel like things are just right. Like you've touched greatness just for a moment. And then almost always right away, that feeling is gone. The moment is wonderful and it's fragile. The gift turns out to be just socks and you already have plenty of socks. Or someone kicks open the theater door and they start picking up the spilled popcorn and throwing away the empty cups. The kids start fighting. Your neighbor fires up his snowblower and you get a bunch of snow to the face. And that special moment is gone. We human beings aren't good at holding on to those deeper moments. We aren't good at remaining in awe. We can't hold on to those deeper things. And it can be like that with God. We just can't quite hold on to Him. He's too big, too great for us to hang on to. We have this sense of wonder maybe sometimes, but then it slips away. And I wonder sometimes if that's why the Old Testament people kept falling away to other gods. They needed a God they could get a handle on. They needed a God they could hang on to. They needed a God they could wrap their minds around. And we need the same thing. And in Jesus, we find it. Jesus shows us the radiance of a God we can hold on to. Jesus represents God to us in a way that we can grasp. Jesus shows us God at a level we can understand. People actually see and hear and touch Jesus when he comes as a baby. Jesus shows us God's love for us. And God loved us so much that he was willing to give up his heavenly glory to lay all that aside and to come and be born as one of us. Jesus came to show us God's radiance in a way that we can hang on to. Tim Keller puts it this way in his recent book on Christmas. And let me read for just a moment. When you read the Gospels, you're seeing God in human form. In Jesus, we see God's perfections in ways we can relate to. We see his love, his humility, his brilliance, his wisdom, and his compassion, but they're no longer abstractions. We see them in all their breathtaking real-life forms. You can know the glories of God from the Old Testament, but in Jesus Christ, they come near. He becomes graspable. He becomes personal. 
someone with whom to have a relationship. Christmas and the incarnation mean that God went to infinite lengths to make himself one who we can know personally. Jesus shows us who God really is, and he does that in a way that we can grasp. In the life of Jesus, we see God's glory reflected into this world. In Jesus' work on our behalf, we see God represented, represented to us. Jesus shows us the way to God. Jesus washes our sins away. In Jesus, we really encounter God. Finally, briefly this morning, we'll focus on how God encounters us. It's possible for us to encounter God in Jesus. We really do encounter God in Jesus. And finally, in Jesus, God encounters us as our Lord and Savior. When I was in school preparing to be a pastor, we had an assignment once that we had to fill it, fill, finish the sentence, God is. God is, and then a blank line. And our professor told us we had to put one word and only one word on that line. So I, I had to cheat. I used three words, so he flunked me and... No, just kidding. But I did have to use more than one word. I couldn't find one word that worked. And thankfully, the professor was okay with that. And what I wrote down is that God is... God is our Lord and our Savior. And that's how Hebrews presents Jesus to us here. Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. He sustains all things by his powerful word. And he provides purification for our sins. Jesus is the creator of all things and the king who reigns on the throne of heaven. And Jesus is the priest whose completed work brings us salvation. Jesus shows us a Lord who is king of the universe. This is a God who holds the universe in his hands moment by moment. But this is most emphatically not an absent, distant deity. This is no great pumpkin of empty hope. This isn't blind fate. It isn't just some undirected force. This is the king of the universe. And Jesus presents God to us as the great and glorious Lord of all things. He is the one who has power over everything. Nothing can ever defeat him. Evil will never conquer this king. And in the life of Jesus, we see countless times where Jesus controls the forces of nature and where he wins over the forces of evil. He calms storms. He walks on water. He has power over all of the created order. And Jesus continually undoes the power of evil. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. And Jesus doesn't do this as some great standoffish power. He begins life as a baby. Jesus came as a weak and dependent baby. This is not a king who needs to flex his muscles and show off his power. This is a Lord who loves us so much that he's willing to give up everything. Willing to give up everything to show his love for us. In Jesus, we see the overwhelming power of God over everything. And we also see the overwhelming power, the overwhelming power of God's love for us, his people. We see that in Jesus' birth as a baby. 
in his incarnation, and in his becoming one of us. And we also see that in Jesus' crucifixion, in his suffering and death for us. We see it in his resurrection when he conquered death and gave us hope that we too could live forever. And we see it in his reign now where he is undoing evil and in the hope we have that he will someday undo all evil. In Jesus, we encounter a God who has power and love, authority and grace to come and to save us. He is truly our Lord and Savior. It's possible for us to encounter the real God because he's spoken to us in Jesus. And we do really encounter the Lord in Jesus, the radiance and representation of God. Jesus shows us that God is our Lord and Savior. So as we celebrate Christmas again this year, look, look to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus and you will truly encounter God.